Hey there, everybody. Thanks for joining us on localjobnetwork.com radio. I'm your host, Tim Yuma, and you've checked in to Moving Up the Ladder, where we speak with experienced professionals to aid in the success of your career. Today, we're looking at fear and its poor influence, and our guests will hopefully be able to give us some ways to avoid this emotion and its potential negative impact. To talk about this subject, we have the Chief Operating Officer of Kingston Data and Credit. His name is Blair DeMarco Wetlaufer, and he joins the show right now. Blair, how are you doing today? I'm doing excellently. How are you? I'm doing very well, thank you, and thanks for coming on the show and talking about this subject that comes up all, all the time, you know, the idea of fear in the back of people's minds. But I guess I would kick it off and asking you, why can fear be so detrimental or a poor business partner, as you put it? <laughs> well, I come from the credit and collections background, so fear is unfortunately pervasive in our industry. Sure. All the way from companies that are running boiler room mentality call centers, where managers are driven to ridiculous targets who then drive their staff to ridiculous targets, and there's just you know, stress and anxiety caused everywhere, to a big picture where companies are dealing with, with credit risk cycles of millions of dollars, and obviously there's pressure put on executives and professionals in our industry to relieve that, that risk of millions of dollars being lost to a company because something's gone wrong earlier up the credit cycle. Sure. So we see, we see in our industry fear all the time. Now, and when you bring up the idea of fear, obviously there can be different aspects and, and perspectives when it comes to it. Of course, I think people understand the idea as an employee, you're worried about uh, you know, losing your job or getting yelled at. What do you think are the, some of the impacts that could have on individuals, even in their day-to-day -day work? Oh, well, if you look at somebody who's in sales or a target-driven environment, people are driven to perform and perform on the spot. And if they're struggling to meet those targets, they're constantly beset by anxiety. And frankly, they won't enjoy their job. Sure. And they, they spend all their time in a, in a state of panic or damage control and not actually taking time to improve themselves, hmm. to, to figure out why they're having difficulties hitting targets. I think the solution has to come from the top down. Management needs to create an environment where ideas can be challenged, where you talk about process, not just results. But often management isn't skilled or experienced to know about this. And they're driven either higher up by the chain or by profit and loss reports. And they're struggling to meet targets as well. But really, it comes down to process. If your company has a, has a weak process or living close to the edge, you exude stress and fear to everyone around you. And you won't keep your staff. You'll have a poor retention rate. Your staff won't be happy and you won't improve your company. Reacting to things based on fear from a management perspective, you're just dealing with the symptom, not the problem. Sure. Now, I think you brought up a couple of really interesting points there. And I guess, I think for the people listening, understand you're talking about that top-down idea. How about individually? How can people get away from that fear aspect or limit its impact? Because I think it's always going to creep in the back of somebody's mind. I mean, depending on your situation, but I mean, do you have any tips for the listeners out there who say, I don't know how to act without being worried about my job or worried about that next performance review? Sure, sure. Actually, I, I addressed a couple of those on my LinkedIn blog. One of the things you have to be able to be, be honest and, and present issues that you're given. Let's say, let's say you're a salesperson and you're mm -hmm. struggling to meet targets. What you want to do, rather than sit in your, in your cubicle and quietly sweat bullets, you want to look at what's going wrong. You want to look at your process and you want to be able to go to your manager and say, okay, I'm 
50% behind my monthly target. Here are some of the things I'm trying to fix this. Mm -hmm. Am I going down the right road? By coming to, to management or your colleagues or the people you're accountable to with a, with a solution or a potential solution rather than just a problem, management should view you as you're not just complaining, you're not just failing to meet targets, you're trying to meet the challenge and they're going to be more responsive. So if you can isolate and narrow down what your challenges are, come up with some potential solutions and report up the chain and say, here's what I'm doing about this. Now, they, they might say, well, we've tried that last year, it didn't work, mm-hmm. or hey, that's a great idea, or hey, maybe you should try it this way. And suddenly, instead of a one-way conversation with management to the employee, you've created a dialogue about the elephant in the room. And, you know, If you're behind the eight ball, you're not hitting your, your targets, you're, you're behind in your deadlines, you have to speak up, but you have to speak up in a proactive, professional way. You're not just complaining, oh, I can't hit my deadline. You're saying, I can't hit my deadline, but here's what I'm doing about it. Is there any way you can help me? Management loves that kind of feedback because they're kept in the loop. They've got input to your your results and they have a chance to to work with you, not at you. I love the way you, you sort of framed all of that because I think a lot of people end up maybe bringing something up to their manager and it comes across as an excuse. Like I'm not, I haven't been able to meet my goal because of this, but you're saying go in looking forward. You want to remove yourself from any past, whether you want to see it as a failure or, or inability to, to do your job. Do you see it then as somebody needing to go beyond the expectation or is it okay to just be meeting those goals provided, as you said, you have solutions moving forward? Well, you, you want you want to exceed goals, but you know it it really depends on the company culture. Some right. go- companies have goals that are wildly successful. I mean, if you were working at Valve, you know the software company, they don't have goals or deadlines, so it's easy to meet their expectations. <laughs> but if you're living, you know, in a company where you know they've suffered losses the last three quarters, the management are running around with their heads on fire because they they can't meet expectations. You might not be able to meet those goals, but you want to do the best job you can. It's okay if you don't have an answer to the problem. I mean, if you if your boss says I I need the Wilkinson report by next Tuesday, saying I can't do it isn't a good solution. Saying okay, I don't know what I need. I don't know if I can meet that deadline. Give me two hours. I'll come back to you and let you know when I can have this done. That's an acceptable answer because mm-hmm. you're thinking about the problem. Do you think that there is ever a time where fear on a personal level with an employee does work, can work, or have in your experiences it seemed to be more of a a problem than, than any kind of benefit? It's a problem. The, the biggest problem is fear works briefly and only a handful of times. Hmm. The problem is if you go to, to Joe down in production and you yell at him, he might scramble and get the job done. But if you have to go and yell at Joe every week, now you've created an environment where that's acceptable. And Joe doesn't like getting yelled at. You don't like yelling. The people around you listening to you yelling at Joe, you've created a toxic environment. I'll give you an example. This week, we had an RFP due at our company. We thought we had till Friday. We were wrong. <laughs> we had to get it out the door by noon on Tuesday. So we, we as a group, you know, just sat down and went, oh, we need to do this. And we quickly came up with a, a series of solutions to that. Okay, Leanne, you're going to put this portion together. You know, Selena, you're going to put that portion together. And we, we quickly dealt with it. But we wouldn't want to have that environment every day. Right. You know, because suddenly people won't enjoy coming to work. If people don't enjoy coming to work, they're going to look for work elsewhere. And if you don't invest in your employees and create an environment where they can speak up and they're 
isn't an environment of fear, you will lose your best and brightest on an ongoing basis. It doesn't matter how much you pay them, they will find a better work environment elsewhere. Culture is so, so, so important. Well, I'm glad you brought that up. And I think we can transition a little bit to sort of that upper management side and the idea of, I think, as you phrased it, corporate fear, because that is sort of where it's going to start and then trickle down. What sort of fears potentially drive upper management, CEOs, owners uh, that, that could cause problems? Well, if you're looking from the very top, it, it usually boils down to your financial reports. Mm-hmm. Companies are afraid of failing or, or are afraid of failing in the short term for, for day-to-day production or failing in the long term for losing market share or exposing their company to risk, uh, you know, whether it's you know, brand reputation or you know, a lot of companies, you know, financial institutions, they have these, these fleets of compliance staff to make sure that you know, information security is kept, that you know, everything's wor- working properly. Everyone's worried about failure. Mm-hmm. And, and everybody has their own responsibility. And, and at the top, there's, there's, uh, for larger companies, there's a great deal of pressure to perform. You know, the CEO of BlackBerry had to, to you know, get on and do a press conference about you know, losing funds in the last quarter you know, and, and have to explain what he's doing. That would be a phenomenal amount of pressure. And, and you know, using the example of the CEO of BlackBerry, he's actually dealing with things in a proper manner. He's saying, here's my work plan, here's what I'm doing. And he's slowly winning back the, the panic <laughs> underneath him by being reasonable. Sure. So when you are a manager or upper level management in a position where maybe there are some negative things coming about, how do you handle that to ensure it doesn't affect the employees? It doesn't affect yourself. I mean, are there any strategies that can be used to sort of, I mean, you can't make it go away, obviously, but deal with it and be able to be productive. Well, the, the, the one thing that management can always do to mitigate fear is try not to surprise people. Hmm, okay. if, if you have a staff member who's failing in their job or you have a contract that you're going to lose you know, because the time is up and you don't have a, a plan for you know, 50 of your staff, what they'll do when that contract ends, the worst thing you can do is wait till the last minute and, and you know, call in you know, somebody and say, surprise, Frank, you're, you're laid off. You know, that's horrible. Right. What you can do to mitigate that is try to put the writing on the wall as soon as possible and be as open as possible about the challenges of the company. I went and worked at a company and I had been on the job three weeks and we lost a major client and we had no idea this was coming. And the client said, you know, we've decided to go with another vendor. It, it's nothing personal. It was an operational decision. We're going to be wrapping things up in three weeks. So as the new operations manager, I had to go out to the staff and go, okay, guys, I've got some bad news. Mm-hmm. Here's what's happening. We have four weeks to come up with a plan. I'm certainly interested in anybody's opinion on this, but here is what I see are the challenges. You know, this work is going to dry up and we're going to have to reassign 12 people. I don't want to lay off anyone and so on. And I ran down the, the list of things that I, as a manager, had a challenge with. And we were able to save 10 out of the 12 jobs. You know, it, it was fortunate we were, and two of those jobs were from employee suggestions. Hmm. You know, they said, well, here's what we can do. We can do this and this and this and this. Right. That's a great idea. I was new to the company. I said, oh, that's a great idea. <laughs> and the two people that I had to unfortunately lay off, they, they took it remarkably well because they said, Blair, you've tried to do everything you could to save my job. I totally understand why you've made this decision. Thanks very much. And I think the point there is, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but the fact that you were so upfront with everything and laid it out that, I mean, those two employees understood it as opposed to just thinking it was something personal or that, you know, they were last on the list kind of thing. 
or erratic. That's right. You know, it wasn't an emotional decision. It right. was a business decision. And I didn't put any emotion or stress <laughs> beyond you know, what was necessary. Oh, God, we're losing this client. You know, we didn't put a, a additional pressure or stress on the staff. In a lot of cases, management might walk out and say, right, work the, the ABC client. You know, we've got three weeks to, to hit our number, you know, trying to drive as much business through that client before the door closed, Sure, but not explain it to the staff. And then, you know, three weeks later, oh, we didn't hit our targets. We're going to lay off these, you know, 10 people. That's t- unfortunately what a lot of companies do. And the staff have no idea what it, management is thinking. Hmm. And really, so the best thing that, that management can do to relieve that fear is tell them what they're thinking, tell them what their challenges are, and ask for input and advice. Now, you can't get up in front of 500 employees and ask for uh, input and advice, but you can, you can be open. You can, you can be transparent. You can put the writing on the wall early. If, if you have a staff member who's not performing, why create stress? Just lay out what their expectations are. And if they're failing to meet expectations, lay out a timeline of, okay, you know, Susie, if you don't hit these targets, 90 days from now, we can't keep you. What can I do to help you? Mm-hmm. Rather than, Susie, you're not hitting targets. If you don't get, do your job, you're out of here. One creates fear. One creates partnership. You know, you mentioned a number of times targets and goals. And, and I, you know, a lot of times you hear some differing opinions on the value of them and what the impact is. Do you think sometimes that in and of itself can create this fear of if I don't reach a certain number, no matter what it is, then my job could be in jeopardy? Or do you think it really does come down to how you phrase it as you just showed us right there? Well, no, that's exactly it. If you just put out a goal and say, Bob, here's your goal, then you can create stress and fear. Right. You know, especially these companies that set goals that no one ever hits <laughs> or only you know, 10% of the staff hit. Mm-hmm. You need to set reasonable expectations and obviously bonuses and commissions and benefits if people exceed goals. But you also need to, on the other side, say, okay, Frank, we need you to generate $10,000 a month. If you hit, you know, what, instead of just saying, Frank, you need to hit $10,000, say, Frank, our minimum expectation is 6000 That's mm. what we need you to do to keep your job you know, and keep your position viable. Sure. Your goal is 10000 If you come in at $14,000, we'll all dance around the office wearing party hats. <laughs> you, you need to, to create a range rather than a single number. And if Frank comes in under 6000 you can go, Frank, you know, last month you did eight. This month you, you did five. What's mm-hmm. going on? You, you can create a dialogue. And if Frank comes in at five for four months in a row, Frank knows that his job's no longer viable. I love that idea of a range. I, I think that's a, a great way to, to sort of put that into somebody's mind that there is wiggle room there, but still understanding there are minimums to meet. So I, I appreciate that little piece of advice there. We are getting low on time, Blair, but I do appreciate uh, you know the insight you've given us today. I think it's very helpful for our listeners. I just want to give you the last opportunity here to give our listeners a takeaway about this conversation, the topic itself, anything you think is important to emphasize or uh, rehash briefly here before we wrap up. No, not a problem. And I, I appreciate the time. Honestly, my, my advice or takeaway is some of the best staff that I have ever worked with were not afraid to speak up and, and challenge ideas and, and come up with their own way of doing things. And those people you know, succeeded and I promoted them to supervisors or managers because they were able to demonstrate that they could think. Fear is the exact opposite of, of proactive thinking. Fear causes people to to curl up into a little ball and hide under their cubicle chair. 
if you can demonstrate to the people that around you that you're willing to, to calmly and rationally challenge ideas that might be horrible ideas and, and come up with solutions to the problems, you'll go far in business. I think that's a great way to wrap things up on this edition of Moving Up the Ladder and our conversation about fear and how it can be a bad business partner and also some tips on how to look in a different perspective to help out whether it be your employees or yourself, depending on what level you're at. Our guest today has been Blair DeMarco Wetlaufer, COO of Kingston Data and Credit. Blair, thanks again for sharing your expertise with the listeners today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. And of course, as always, we want to hear from you, the listeners, as well. If you have any thoughts on future topics you'd like us to cover on LJN Radio, just send us an email to ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. Wishing you success in all your endeavors. I'm Tim Muma. We'll talk to you later.